This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I have a guest who's also a podcast host. So that is really fun. His name is Carl Stanley and he's the host of the Fearless Flipping Podcast. So Carl, welcome to the show. Hey Jasper, thanks so much for having me. Been listening to your show for a while. Excited to be able to talk to your audience. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome. It's uh, it's not very often that I have a fellow podcast host on the podcast, so that is definitely super fun. So today's topic is going to be how you can use the mother-in-law strategy on Airbnb. So what this means is you rent out a part of the home. And then you put a long-term renter in half of the home and the other half you rent out Airbnb. At least that's what my understanding is. But Kyle is going to explain us all about how this works and how you can use this strategy to make pretty good money on Airbnb. So Kyle, I'm going to hand it over to you. Let's, let's hear it. What's this mother-in-law strategy all about? And what's yeah, your background? Yeah, so, well, so, well, let's start yeah, with that. Okay. My background, um, I guess just to kind of jump into the Airbnb side of it, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, back in 2015, I bought my first house that I was intending to live in and I kind of started to sweat this whole homeowner thing because there was all these expenses I wasn't expecting. And so now suddenly I was like, how am I going to pay for this mortgage every single month? Talk to a friend of mine, who was like, yeah, you need to do this whole Airbnb thing. And I had never heard of it. And you know, the way that he explained it word for word was total strangers can stay in your house and they pay you. And then all you gotta do is clean the sheets. And I was like, uh, dude, that sounds really sketchy. And he goes, well, you can call it sketchy, but I just made seven grand in the last five months doing this in my apartment in Vegas. I was like, okay, well the money spoke to me and I needed it. So I jumped into Airbnb and being an entrepreneur and having that mindset, I, I just kind of looked at it as, you know, I'll, I'll deal with whatever comes along with that as we go. So that was in Scottsdale, Arizona when I first started. And of course, if you know anything about Arizona, there's people coming in there all the time, whether it's for weather, for sports, for the food, for the festivals. I mean, there's something going on all the time. But in 2016, I moved back to Fresno, California, where I live now and where I grew up because my dad was going through some health issues. And when I moved back to Fresno, I was just like, well, you know, there goes my opportunity for Airbnb because I'm sure probably half the people who are listening to the podcast right now, Jasper, have no idea where Fresno, California even is. And funny enough, two weeks into owning this house, in Fresno, I was like, all right, let's just, you know, for kicks and giggles, let's see if this works. And I posted a listing of a private room and that night it got booked in Fresno. I was like, why are you coming into town? <laughs> and so I started just really vetting all of my guests, asking them why they were coming into town. And the commonality was people wanted to go to the national parks that were around us. There's Yosemite, Sequoia, a lot of amazing national parks. There was a lot of business people and then a lot of people who were coming into town 
for family. And so what I really evaluated about Fresno was that people were wanting to come here because they have to, not because they want to. I was like, this is really interesting. So in 2018, I finally just kind of got the guts to go out there and try to list my whole house. It was something that I was considering, but was kind of scared to do in the beginning. I listed the whole house. It booked three nights in a row. I made $450 in one weekend. And I was like, wow, I just made more in a weekend than I probably would have made for listing just the private room in my home for the entire month. So I got excited about that. I got into action and I started getting Airbnbs, both with owning and through arbitrage that now are listed here in Fresno. I've got five listings, entire homes or apartments. And basically, you, you kind of hinted towards the mother-in-law strategy. What happened, Jasper, was I'm also a real estate investor. So I flip houses, I own rentals, I, you know, I do the whole wholesaling thing. And that's what a lot of my podcast is about, is helping people learn not just Airbnb, but real estate investing. And so when I started flipping this one house, it had two houses on one lot. So there was a 14 to 1500 square foot home on one side of the lot. And then with a completely separate entrance with a even separate backyard, there was another house that was only about 725 to 750 square feet, tiny little house, uh, two bedroom, one bath. And my original thought was, well, I'm going to sell this. And then I went into, well, what if I rent this? And then I thought, well, what if I rent this rare Airbnb? And one of the biggest things that I always teach people, and I, I had to kind of keep this in mind when I was thinking about what I was going to do with this, is that when it comes to Airbnb, you have to control what you can control. And one of the things that I felt nervous about was, what if I Airbnb both of these properties, they're right next to each other, and you get you know a, an elderly couple who just wants a quiet night alone, and then next door you get the accidental you know party person who invites 20 people over, and suddenly I've got a bad review from the elderly couple. So I thought, well, how can I control this? And, and really my mindset was, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could find like a stay at home mom or maybe like a family that was in one of the houses and I just give them reduced rent to essentially just clean the other house. And it was really just like a thought that I never thought would come to fruition. And believe it or not, as this house was being flipped, this guy walks up to my contractor and says, hey, is this going to go up for rent? My contractor connected me with this guy. I talked to him. I said, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. This guy tells me, hey, I've got a family. I've got a stay-at-home mom. She's going to be there all the time. So we're really quiet. We're really clean. And I was like, that's interesting because I was looking for a stay-at-home mom for this possible mother-in-law unit. And so I I asked them, you know, would you be interested in this? And they said, hey, we're looking to save money however we can. If that means that we get to save money, my wife is going to be home all the time anyway. I don't see how that couldn't work. And here we are today. It's been four months and we have had in this big house, the family, and in the small house, the two bedroom, one bath, a constant wheel of Airbnb people coming in and out and the stay-at-home mom is basically cleaning this thing every single time. And they're happy because they're getting reduced rent. The guests are really happy because they know they have someone on site that if anything goes wrong, they can either knock on the door or shoot them a text and they're going to get an immediate response. And I'm really happy because I have another person giving me consistent rent. 
along with not having to worry about paying someone for cleaning fees. So all in all, I know I just talked there for a little bit, but that's basically the whole idea behind this whole mother-in-law unit hack that I've made. Awesome, man. Sounds like a pretty interesting uh, model. So I have a bunch of questions that I would like to ask you. I'm not very familiar with this uh, situation myself, so I'm really curious to to learn more. So first of all, because you have two of these now, right? Yes, I do. And so, and you're planning to do more of these because you're, you're having a great experience with them. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I could definitely see the advantage because if there's an issue, if something needs to be fixed, then instead of having to hire like a handyman or like you know, somebody like a house porter who has to come by, you already have somebody there who can do that. So that's, I could definitely see how that could work really well. Absolutely. Yeah. And to just give more clarity too of where I see the huge advantage is I'm a numbers guy. So the numbers, Jasper, basically look like this. For example, one of the houses that I had that I just turned into that mother-in-law unit, before it was just a garage that was turned into a storage area. And we dropped about nine or 10 grand, turned the garage into a one-bedroom studio. And the reason I did that was because I actually had someone reaching out to me who was single and was on disability and said, hey, you know, I'm just looking for a cheap place to stay. Do you have anything? I said, well, I, I don't, but essentially what I could do here is I could turn this garage into a, a one bedroom studio. Would that be something that you'd be interested in? She said, oh, I'd be down for that all day long. And so then I talked to her about this whole process of, hey, you know, would you be up for getting reduced rent to clean the place? And so we did the numbers, we sat down, we agreed on something that was uh, good for both of us. And so what this ended up looking like, Jasper, was this place used to be after expenses, putting about $1,300 to $1,500 in my pocket. And I was spending on average about four to $500 a month on cleaning fees. Well, now this person who was originally going to pay $900 to live here, I told them, hey, what if I just have you pay $600? And for that reason, you get to go ahead and you know just clean the place, get reduced rent. And so if you do the numbers there, I'm getting an extra $600 and I'm saving an extra $400. So this place that was cash flowing $1,300 to $1,500 a month for me is now cash flowing $2,300 to $2,500 a month for me. Plus that is going to not only pay for the renovation to the garage, but it's going to pay off my initial investment for this house a lot faster. That's incredible, man. That's really incredible. Is it difficult to find somebody who's up for this? I guess the reduced rent is a pretty good incentive. Yeah, you know, I can say this. I haven't actively had to go out there and post that I'm looking for this. I just think that, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you if you think it, if you pray it, if you start to, you know, believe that this is something that can happen, you're going to attract that. And so I don't think there was any coincidence that I started to think of this idea and suddenly people started coming to me asking for situations like this. So you just, the biggest advice I can have is, you have to, have to, have to be in 100% total agreement. Make sure all your legal documents are in place. You know, don't just assume that this person is going to continue to do this again and again and again and be happy 100% of the time. You know, there's a lot of laws depending upon which state you're in that are fair wage laws. And I had to take those into consideration. And so, 
those are the things that I'm not going to get into right now because I would just suggest people talk to, you know, whatever types of leases that you're signing, make sure you're going and passing this through, you know, a lawyer or something like that, that's going to be able to help you to word everything to make sure that if something does happen, if this person is not happy one day with the situation that you're able to cover your tracks. But to me, the biggest thing that I can say as a real estate investor and also an Airbnb host is that I want to make sure that the people that are around me that are helping me are taken care of. So if this person that lives on the property is having to put in extra time, I'm having them log their hours and tell me how much time did it take you to, to you know, actually clean this place this time. And, and I add up those hours after a month and I make sure that they're getting paid what they're deserved. And if they're not, then they're going to get a bonus at the end of the month. If they have to go in there and clean a place for three hours, I'm going to make sure that I get that guest to pay me, you know, an extra 50 to a hundred dollars because they left the place a mess and all that money is going to go to the person that's cleaning it. So I want to always make sure my people are taken care of so that I'm never having those issues moving forward. Yeah, that's a smart strategy, man. Just create a win-win situation and nobody has a reason to, to get out of the deal essentially. Yeah, exactly. Just keep the people happy that you believe need to be happy. And also, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just being a good person. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to screw anyone over in a deal. I'm not like over here, like Mr. Burns, just, you know, twiddling my fingers being like, haha, sucker. You know, I, I think I want this to be a win, win, win all the way around. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I hear you. What kind of feedback have you gotten from your guests about this model? Yeah, we have to be 100% open and honest with the guests that they're going to have someone that's going to be there. But I believe that, you know, Everything that is expected needs to be put in a very positive way in the listing. So in our listings, you'll see for the ones that have that, you know, great news, you're going to have an on-site manager who lives in a separate unit. So don't worry, you have 100% privacy. But if you ever need anything, they're just a text away or a knock on the door away. And a lot of people end up leaving, you know, reviews that are, you know, hey, it was nice to have this person on site when we, you know, had an issue with the hot water or, you know, we always try to just spin it in a way where we're going to attract people that are looking for that. Plus what I can also say that inadvertently happens is when someone who goes to book an Airbnb with the intentions of not following the rules, for example, wants to have a party or wants to, you know, do something illegal in the house as, you know, just like anyone else, you're going to deal with those things. If you are in Airbnb long enough, they see that and they see, Oh shoot, onsite manager. I'm probably not gonna be able to get away with what I was thinking. And we start to, you know, really get those people away from our listing. So we don't have to deal with as many issues. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that, but that's true. You're probably not going to attract a lot of people that want to throw parties in the first place. So, it works on a lot of different levels. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a great way all the way around and plus I know that if I get a call from her, you know, that I can take care of something right away rather than having to wait until my maid shows up the next day and try to figure out what happened. Are there any challenges or drawbacks to this strategy? Um challenges or drawbacks. I guess the only challenge would be that, you know, if, if this person who's living there, you know, wants to go out of town or wants to, you know, leave for, they get a family emergency, something like that, you know, you're, you're relying on a person rather than a business. 
So that's why you also have to make sure that you have those backup plans. Like I have a professional cleaning service for all of my other listings and that professional cleaning service has eight people on call ready to go. So I would just say, make sure that you're ready for the unexpected. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then when you're the person that lives in, in your modern law unit, when that person has to go away on holiday or something, do you get somebody else to check in the guests? Well, yeah. So in terms of check-in, it's the same process for every listing. We don't have someone physically checking them in. So the mother-in-law unit is essentially just promoted as, hey, you know, this person lives in this unit on the property. If you need anything, they will be available to you. But if you don't even want to meet them, then you won't even know they're there most likely. So the check-in process is always either a keypad or a lockbox. Got it. Okay, cool. Did you know that Hostfully just released its third annual vacation rental industry study? And it was their biggest report to date. Hostfully gathered data from over 220 vacation rental professionals about trends and the growing complexity facing our industry. The data overwhelmingly shows that managers need to become more sophisticated in how they solve different problems in their business. This is because the degree of competition is increasing, the number and types of software solutions are also increasing, and guest expectations continue to change. What were the biggest pain points facing vacation rental managers last year? What are the most popular software tools managers are using? Did you know that 96% of vacation rental managers plan to grow their business next year? How are they going to achieve this growth? For these answers and so much more, download the report today to get actionable insights to improve your business as we enter 2020. Head to hostfully.com slash 2019 report, all one word, to download your free copy today. So that's hostfully.com forward slash 2019 in numbers and then report to one word to download your free copy today. What are some tips that you have for people who are interested in doing this model? Yeah, I would say, like I just said before, you have to have someone that you... 100% trust. If you don't have trust in that person, you know, the great backup plans for that is you could turn the other one into an Airbnb as well, which is great, but I think it does decrease the value of the stay. If I see that there's a, you know, if, if I'm going to stay in a place as a guest and I see that there's a second Airbnb on the actual property, I'm probably less likely to stay there. So I think that that is definitely a backup plan. I think another backup plan would be that, you know, here in Fresno, we have a lot of traveling nurses, traveling construction people. So another backup plan for me would be a long-term traveling nurse staying in there. But again, at that point, I've got to now treat the other Airbnb just like a normal Airbnb and have a cleaning service coming in. So my biggest thing is always just, you know, plan for the unexpected. And the other part is is it going to make financial sense? You know, is it, for me, it made financial sense for these two mother-in-law units. I knew what my numbers were. I knew when I was going to get my investment back. I knew that it was going to increase the investment, the return on my investment on this property. But if you're in an area where maybe, maybe something's different, maybe you have to create a tiny home. You know, we keep seeing these tiny homes popping up everywhere you know, that can be as much as thirty to $50,000. Well, 
when are you getting that investment back? Does it make sense to do that? Can you get the return that you want? I just think that those are the things that you need to really pay attention to. So while it works for me in my situations, I wouldn't tell someone, hey, just go tomorrow and make a tiny home on one of your properties and start doing this. You, you really have to do your research and make sure that this is going to work and that you've got a viable candidate in place that can actually take on something like this. You are a real estate expert, right? Yeah, absolutely. So can I ask you, I'm just curious, what do, you, do you think right now is a good time to buy? Well, that's, uh, that's the million dollar question right now, right? Um, we, <laughs> I, know. I know it's I, not the easiest question. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, I believe that if you're going to be a conventional buyer right now, it depends on your market. I bought conventionally two houses last year, mainly because I had the extra capital and just don't like money sitting in the bank and collecting dust. So it made sense for me to go do it. But I believe that to the masses right now, we probably, at least where I live, we're probably 12 to 18 months away from starting to see a downturn. And for that reason, not to get into real estate investment strategies right now, people can definitely check out my podcast and my website for other information about this stuff. But I'm doing a lot of special terms, looking for special terms if I'm going to be purchasing a place. And that goes from subject to, to owner financing, to purchase to lease, which is again, a lot of strategies that I'm not going to get into right now. That's not what your audience is looking for right now. But on the other side of it, the arbitrage side, I'm definitely all in on that right now. So my main strategy for Airbnb at this point is arbitrage and getting houses with special terms. Right. So you're leasing, you're leasing long-term units and then you're releasing them on Airbnb. That's your strategy. Yes, 100%. My goal right now is I, I just added two arbitrages within the last two months. I want to add another three to five by March. That's interesting. And, you know, I, I think in a lot of markets, we're seeing that uh, the, arbit the rental arbitrage model is becoming a little bit more challenging because more and more people are stepping into this. Uh, but you're still seeing uh, great opportunities for the master leasing model. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it depends again on your market. You know, Fresno, I walk in and talk to a landlord or a property manager and it's the first time they've ever heard of this. Whereas if I go to, you know, Long Beach or Newport down in Southern California, you know, every property manager and every landlord's probably already been approached by this. So I think it just comes down to, are you professional? Are you conducting your business in a professional manner? Not just, you know, showing up and talking to a property manager with, you know, backwards hat on and a t-shirt and shorts and just expecting them to hand over a lease. You know, you've got to have professional material. You've got to have a professional feel to it. And at the end of the day, you just got to make a friend so that they feel comfortable with you taking over their place. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you mentioned property managers. So I'm just curious, like, how do you deal with property managers, like managers that are trying to lease units to long-term tenants because you don't want to make them feel like you're trying to cut them out, of course. Yeah. When you say deal with them, do you mean approach them about the idea? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of units are in the hands of property managers, right? That are looking, right. Their, their job is to find a long-term renter. So mm -hmm. then if you come in and say like, hey, you know what, instead of you renting out long term, why don't you why don't you connect me with the owner and then I'll rent it out on Airbnb and yeah, you know, so essentially cutting that person out. 
Absolutely. To, to give you the, the Reader's Digest version, I, I never share my intent in the first 10 minutes. I just, I show up, if it's a property manager, you know, they likely are on an apartment complex or have their own business office. And I want to get them to show me the unit. I want to get in that unit with them. And I just use the, the sales formula form. If you've never heard of that, it's just a simple acronym. F stands for family, O stands for occupation, R stands for recreation, and then M stands for your message. So I'm just using that formula to get to know them, become their friend. They're going to, you know, take me through the apartment and they're going to say, oh, you know, we have nice new stainless steel, yada, 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 nice new granite tops, all that. And I'm just going to turn around and say, oh, okay, cool. So are you from here? How long have you worked here? You know, what do you do for fun? You actually live on the property. Uh, you know, I saw the gym. Do you ever, do you ever go to the gym over there? You know, I'm just, I'm trying to make a friend. And then when I go through this, you know, 10 minute presentation where they're showing me the, the property, they're showing me the unit and you know, it's all green lights. I'm ready to, to go ahead and tell them what my intent is. That's when in my back pocket, I've got my trifold brochure, which explains everything about my business. And I just pull out the trifold brochure and this is the M part of form. This is my message. And I just say, Hey, listen, you know, I am ready to move into this thing within the next two weeks, but I'm a little bit different than your long-term tenants. Here's how I'm different. And I just basically go through this trifold brochure with them and I show them all the pros and the transparency of really some of the realities. I don't really call them cons, just the realities of working with me. And I show them how it's going to be different working with me than a long-term tenant. You know, you know that when you get the place back, it's going to be in tip-top shape because I need it in great shape for all of the guests that are coming in. You know, it's going to be clean sometimes as much as seven times a week. It's going to um, be backed by an insurance policy. It's going to have an opportunity for you to not take on another job, Mr. or Mrs. Property Manager. You're just using, you know, I'm the person in the lease, so you treat it as if I'm living there. If there's a noise complaint, you're not knocking on that guest door. You're calling me and you're dealing with me and I'm taking care of it. So, you know, I talk about all the pros of working with me and Again, I'm a numbers guy. I see usually when I talk to property managers, about one out of every eight or nine say yes. And when I talk to landlords, usually one out of every four or five say yes. Interesting. Yeah, I'm with you in that. It's, it's all about the numbers. Yeah. Cool, man. That's really, uh, that's really good information. That's really good advice. Uh, thank you for sharing that. We're getting towards the end of this podcast. Is, is there anything else you wanted to share with the audience? Any pieces of wisdom before we let this go? Well, I guess before I share that, I'll ask you this. Do you feel like most of the people that are listening to your podcasts are new to Airbnb or trying to take their Airbnbs to the next level? Yeah, I'd say about 95% are already on Airbnb or other rental or short-term rental platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me, Jasper, is get around other people, listen to things like this where you can just take your knowledge to the next level. For four years, I was leaving thousands of dollars on the table because I just didn't realize how much I could make doing an entire place and how I could do this whole arbitrage thing. I just never knew because I never researched. I was never, I was always the only guy doing Airbnb. Whenever I told people I was doing that, oh my gosh, you're doing that? Aren't you scared about that? You know, I, so I was always around people who didn't have this knowledge or mindset that I did. And because of that, I never learned what I was missing out on. So 
you know, get around people like that. If it's okay, you know, I'll just tell people you can go to fearlessflipping.com, listen to all my content. Some of it's on real estate, some of it's on Airbnb. And you'll also find, um, you know, just some great resources that can help you to expand your mindset. And so if some of you out there right now are doing arbitrage because you think it's a bad time to buy, you might end up learning about some real estate opportunities that get you houses for absolutely none of your money and now you own it. And so, you know, there's, there's just so many different things that I just think are encompassed about getting around people and information that will expand your mindset so that you can, you know, like I say on my podcast, get past your fears of taking that leap and conquering Airbnb and real estate investing. Awesome, man. Great, great advice. I totally agree with you. The mindset, it's all about the mindset. So Carl Stanley, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom with our audience. And if you want to check out his podcast, Carl's podcast, fearlessflipping.com, I'm definitely going to check out some of your, uh, some of your episodes. So yeah, Carl, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, um, to the listeners, thanks for listening. And uh, next week, there's going to be another episode. So I'll see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.